0: So I think um, a great first question to ask would be,
1: what um, does NYIB do as an organisation? So MyB, we've been around for 26, 27 years now, um, and the, our vision is to help businesses succeed and how can we make their business life easier. So uh, if you want to set up your own business, we want you to concentrate on being a plumber, personal trainer, whatever the dream is, mm-hmm. not necessarily managing your finances so we have a range uh, over 50 products uh, business solutions that will help small and medium enterprises or even the, the larger um, companies and at the moment across Australia and New Zealand we only operate in ANZ is uh, 1.2 million uh, customers that we use our mm-hmm. product um, whether it's to manage their accounts and/ or pay their staff What do you do there specifically? So my role um, is looking after the education channel. I've been doing it for the last three years. And I was brought on to um, work with institutions that teach myb as part of accounting or business courses. And that could be secondary, tertiary, private training um, institutions. Uh, But what's happened is it's snowballed in terms of some of the student activity uh, that we do now. And... Um, we engage directly with students or through an institution or faculty Mm. uh, to really help them and how we can help them transition from uh, whatever they're studying to meaningful employment, uh, whether that's the accounting business side and um, young entrepreneurs like yourselves or um, IT. Mm. Awesome. So um, how does MIB aim to connect with students? So first and foremost, as I said, it's those institutions that teach NYIB. So we partner with um, accounting business faculties um, and we help support what they're studying by giving them that practical accounting experience um, and how our software uh, really comes into play. Then beyond that, we have a number of student activities that we will do and they will range from guest lectures, presentations, and that could be on... Um, the connected practice, so where we see the accounting industry going, our vision for what's going to be happening to accountants today and, and of the future. Fantastic. Where do you, what do you see as the future of accounting? If you so, accounting students, where do you think it's going? yeah, so we, uh, over the last few years, have shared with our partners. So, we have 40,000 accountants and bookkeepers that work with us across Australia and New Zealand. And the vision that we have is very much them at the heart of it. And um, so that is the connected practice. So how can the free call workflows where you've got compliance, transactional processing and advisory all work together in real time? Um, And so there's different reports out there with regards to accountants and and the future of it, what's going to be automated, what's not going to be automated. There was research last year, at the end of last year, uh, released by – Alpha Beta, which is an Australian econometrics company. And what they did was looked at not just the job title or job function, but individual tasks that the job would do. Um, so it could be hundreds of thousands. And that report said that only 29% of what an accountant does can be automated. Now, there will be different reports out there, some that will contradict that. What it does highlight, the role is changing. Right. The accountant of the 90s and the 2000s. Um, doesn't exist anymore or or is is definitely um, going out, and it's more of that advisory piece. So where um, what will be automated is it that compliance side, the transactional processing, uh, sort of the manual data entering or any manual processes. Yes, we want to streamline, we want to automate, let our software take care of that, but the advisory piece where the accountant will become more of an advisor, a mentor, take the information, use the data that the software is providing um, to give actionable insights and recommendations to the business to say, hey, you can save here or invest there. What if you try this? You know, this is what potentially can happen um, because uh, a business shouldn't be paying an accountant just for um, you know, sort of doing processes that software can take care of mm-hmm. and providing much more benefit. They should see it not as a cost but an investment.
2: What advice would you have to, say, some of the younger people coming through MYOB uh, about how to really excel in, in your organization and, and maybe become um, more of like an entrepreneur and, and doing their own thing as well?
1: Yeah, so that's, I think, um, now, whether you want to or dream of starting your own business, those entrepreneurial skills are very important. Yeah. So there was no one in my role prior to joining, uh, prior to me joining MYB. Um, so I almost sometimes feel like I'm a company within a company, although it's a smaller channel compared to some of the other ones. Um, but you know, I've got to have those decision-making skills. I've got to go out there and build relationships, and um, be curious, ask questions, keep learning, but also teaching as well. Um, I think that's very important in terms of being a lifelong learner and a lifelong teacher. And uh, so any opportunity a student will have or a junior member of staff to apply those skills Mm. um, is where we definitely want to encourage, but also um, you can do sort of outside the workplace. It doesn't necessarily have to just be in the workplace or in where you're studying um, and in trying to have influence without authority. Um, recently I heard that line at a conference, and it really made me think about <clears throat> where I am within MYB, and I want to be able to influence the direction of not only my own channel or some of the activities that we do, yeah. but I don't necessarily, I don't have a team under me, um, but I should have um, that influence without actually being a leader as such mm-hmm. in job title or function, yes. um, and so if we can get some of those skills through earlier, um, then it's very important to or, or for um, students to keep developing. And so they, if they're part of a, a club,
0: you know,
1: join the exec team, have some uh, responsibilities beyond just being a member. Mm setting up your own business going out there and meeting people and doing things mm-hmm. is very important and that will all help to whatever your whatever your goal is
0: absolutely on the note of um, doing other things you also do some young uh, work with the young enterprise trust and also IT professionals in New Zealand yeah um could you tell us a bit about that and how it
1: um, maps onto your to your goals so firstly the ITP um, <clears throat> NZ, so the IT professionals started working with them probably a couple of years ago. They've got a great initiative uh, called Tech Hub in Schools. So what they do is schools that will have IT courses or uh, clubs, this is secondary schools, um, will speak to ITP, and ITP then will arrange industry to go in to talk. Um, and it could be from non-technical or technical. So my presentation is I work in the IT industry, but I don't have to code. To really highlight that you don't have to be a developer um, and to break down some of those stereotypes that, you know, for example, some people might think that NYB is just full of 100 geeks and nerds um, in, in quotes that are just coding away. But that's not necessarily the case. And um, we want all types of people, different backgrounds, different experiences. So for me to go in and, and, and really highlight that, Um, someone who has no technical skills, has built a career on sales, marketing and soft skills, can still work for an IT company and and be uh, very much part of of that team and where the business is going, that um, there's a whole range of roles and that students are aware of that. So for us, uh, we don't hire school leavers as such, so it's not a recruitment drive, but uh, there's still a huge shortage of... um, People within IT and those coming through. So how can we encourage them to, if they haven't already considered IT as a career option, and if they have, then make sure they continue into it. So it's really just building for the future long-term of of tech within New Zealand, um, which then we will benefit from anyway. And with Young Enterprise Scheme, only last year I got involved and I mentored a team. um, And that's just working with sort of five or six students one-on-one. Uh, really being an ear and listening to their ideas um, and giving them some direction. And then this year, uh, I haven't mentored a team. I've been a judge in their regional rounds in Auckland. Um, So I would have judged over maybe a couple hundred uh, students that are taking part. And the great thing about that is, again, it's just getting those entrepreneurial skills. Mm -hmm. Most of these companies, some of them do go on to do good things and, and really... Um, continue to be operate off outside of the program, but the majority it's it's basically how can they um, develop some of those entrepreneurial skills that we've already talked about, go into some leadership leadership positions, so you'll be a CEO or a CFO um, or a marketing person, and then have responsibility for that function within a company. And uh, for us, um, we want obviously new businesses to come through. We want them to um, succeed still here. A lot of companies don't make it past year two or three. Um, so again, if students can experience running a company earlier, what are some of the pitfalls? Um, whether they're successful or not, it's it's all the learning, and that will mean that hopefully the entrepreneurs coming through are, just have a little bit more experience, a little bit more developed, and... Mm. Um, And, you know, they've been going for 30, 35 years as well, so uh, a great initiative for those schools that that partner with them.
2: That mentality of a company inside a company, is that something that you had before NYOB, or is that sort of a new thing?
1: Uh, Personally, very much a new thing, um, because I haven't had to manage a channel as such on my own. Um, My role prior to NYOB, or my roles in New Zealand, have been in media companies. So I started off with Yellow Pages, I think what really helped me uh, working at Yellow Pages is, is another company that's gone through a huge transformation. It's been heavily disrupted. Yeah. hasn't been the disruptor. Mm-hmm. So just like NYB, we were the ones disrupted. Um, and some of the learnings there, when I first came over, I thought I was just dealing with the online um, products, but they still had the book around. They've still got the book around here. But then 2010, there was two books for Auckland. <laughs> um, that's how big it was, and they were like, go and sell this, okay then, I'll go and do that. But um, the transformation that they've gone through um, and people still, whenever I say I used to work for Yellow Pages, they say, uh, are they still around? But, you know, they've got so much information and data, yeah, so how yeah. do they use that? Uh, then I joined National Business Review and then that really helped me deal with different clients. So from SMEs with Yellow Pages to corporates. Um, and my last role was Trends, uh, the Home and Commercial Design magazine. So I actually managed Australia uh, where they closed down their offices there, but um, I was based here. I was only there for a short period. Um, so, again, I learned a lot in terms of another company that had had to go through a change because they, for so many years, relied on print um, and a magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they operated in different countries as well. So I took a lot from those sort of roles, but not that sort of entrepreneurial mindset. Um, but I've had to develop that at NYIB. Um, they've been very supportive in, in what I do, um, not only inside the company, but even externally um, with the people that we've connected with. So things like Young Enterprise and, and ITP, there's enough of initiatives out there for us to partner with as yeah. well as do our own. So it's not necessarily a case of um, always having to reinvent the wheel. Well, where can we add value? And even within our own company, it's coincided with us having our graduate program in that time and starting to get graduates in, um, who we call protégés now, um, and really because we want them to be mentored. Um, So we've developed a Future Makers Academy to help with that process and even had some interns through. So... So it's all aligned quite nicely. Um, And then I'm just thinking about what would be next for me or the channel and how can we we grow it? Um, Because personally, I've never wanted to own my own business. Mm. Uh, So suppose I've got security here Mm. from the company. um, And well, it's not my money. (laughs) So kudos to those that actually do go out there and set up their own business and do it because... I deal with a lot more startups now. I see them, and the not just financial, but the investment that they make, um, whether it's time, resources, financial, is huge. And so um, those, if we can support them, make sure that more are surviving, or not just surviving, thriving, yeah.
0: um,
1: and uh, how we can help that, uh, which will potentially just mean more customers for for us, mm, yeah. uh, in the in the long term, and uh, we also want them to grow so that there's more mid tier or larger companies within mm-hmm. New Zealand, um, and because we also deal within that space. So what we're actually seeing now is some of those success stories coming from where they were dealing with or they were using some of our SME products and now using enterprise products. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, that's great to see those companies that are really uh, growing um, and, and, and successful Kiwi brands
2: out there. I find that that mentality for me as well, it's kind of comes through just, just working at the company I work at at Sales Star. Before it was just kind of I was just in my role, just doing my job and once once you get given that sort of that freedom and license to solve problems and, and create, then it kind of changes the way you view your role um, I think and it's it's really important to have that entrepreneurial mindset, even if you're not an entrepreneur, as per se, I think. Um, Well, you want
1: to develop sort of leadership skills, Mm. um, and now more and more leadership training shouldn't just be for the leaders or the managers within the company, Um, especially younger generations coming through, millennials, Gen Z, they want that. Mm -hmm. They want that responsibility. They want to be challenged, so it's not just a case of... Um, you know, here's a task, complete it. You know, can they push boundaries and go on further from just, uh, you know, how do you get from point A to B and, and off you go, nine mm-hmm. to five? Yeah. Um, because that's how you can innovate um, and be more creative um, and those sort of critical thinking communication, collaboration, all those soft skills, we will refer to now the hard skills sort of thing, come through. Um, and you've got to have that bit of license for them to grow yeah. um, and, and, and develop so that ultimately the company will, will benefit. Um, and they talk about having increased diversity and then the inclus- inclusivity, but it's because then you're going to get different ideas mm-hmm. Um, coming through. Um, so it's very difficult to innovate from within. So yeah. you need new people coming in, new ideas, uh, new thoughts. Yeah, that cognitive well. diversity is super important. Yeah, of
2: course. Yeah. I was um, reading a report talking about cognitive diversity and it was talking about how you can have a team of, of people with an IQ of, say, like 140, um, but if they all think the same, they're not going to solve a problem as well. If you had a team of Um, people of the IQ of 120 if they all come from different backgrounds because they're going to see things differently. They're going to tackle a problem from a very uh, different baseline.
1: Oh, and, you know, even now um, within the students I deal with and whether they're, whatever they're studying, if they're just like an A grade student who has done nothing apart from study, then they're going to struggle going up against a B or C grad student who has a bit of experience applying what they've learned, trying new projects, failing, um, just going out there and, um, you know, it could be building some software with some, you know, hundreds of bugs, thousands of bugs or whatever it may be, but at least they're doing it. Um, And so that way um, when I'm dealing with students or if I'm helping out with some recruitment process, especially with IT teachers. I don't know if they're a good coder, but I can tell if they've got um, some of those soft skills, have applied what they're learning, are passionate about the Mm. industry because they'll be doing stuff outside of the lecture hall, which is very important in terms of being able to um, then go into a business and it's not how many lines of code they can write or what language they're using, but what problems they're solving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if they can do that, there's yeah, yeah. a win because they won't be coming in just writing hundreds of lines of code every day. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and it's and not just the software, right? It's, it's dealing with people. It's the office politics. It's about navigating of certain course. rules and guidelines. There's so much more to it than just how good you are at coding in that instance.
1: You've got now five generations in the workplace for the first time. Yeah. So you're dealing with all different generations, ages, different ways of working, experiences, mm. how do someone manage that? A lot of the millennials now will have people under them that are older than them. There's a challenge. How do, how do they manage that? Um, and as Because some of those uh, more experienced members may have been in the role for a lot, a lot longer and hasn't had to change. Yeah. That, that disruption is only probably coming in now to some roles sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So again, how does a how does a young person deal with that um, is going to be um, very important, and so yeah, just being open, willing to learn, but like I said, not forgetting to teach, um, and I think that's sometimes where um, we need to try to empower younger people into giving back and being uh, ready to stand up and and teach, um, not just learn. Mm -hmm. And to say, actually, I have got um, some influence. Um, I have got something that will add value. Um, And how we can empower that um, is going to be key for business as well because you want to get the most out of everyone, obviously, Um, and especially with the changes that are are happening um, or how quickly it's happening. Um, the transformation that NYB has gone through now, I think it's, it's going to be, we're going to have to continue to evolve because new tech's coming into play. So we've just recently looked at how can we add artificial intelligence into our sort of software and, and the solutions that we provide. Tech Week, there was... Over 500 events here in in New Zealand, we were part of four or or five of them, and we have a futurist in residence Mm. um, within our own company now as well. So his job is to look at those new tech, AI, blockchain, and everything. And again, how can that help businesses? Um, And that's only going to get more and more, because who knows what's going to be around the corner now. Um, It's going to be definitely an interesting time. Fantastic, yeah, mm. some great insights
0: Yeah, From an educational perspective, do you think university and, like, when you talk about, like, just getting A grades and standard courses, do you think there needs to be a change there where there's more practical stuff and there's more, I we see this hybridization where there's, like you say, the clubs become very important and the projects that you've done outside and that sort of becomes part of your education. Do you think there needs to be more room for that to come down into the university space? Yeah,
1: um, A and whether it's university or even, you know, there's now been the NCA review Mm. going on, um, which I think is very important that people get involved and have their say. Um, So across the board, like any other industry, education will be disrupted, will have to change, will have to evolve. How it does that, Um, there's no silver bullet. But I think for me, and personally, it's always how can students apply what they're learning? And if it doesn't, it, if the institution doesn't allow that, then the student will have to find other op- avenues or opportunities to do that. Um, because that's where um, industry want to hear. So, like I said, I don't ask anyone I ever meet. And it's not always just in terms of for recruitment, but what they learn in the lecture or the classroom, you know. But what I do want to know is how they applied it, mm-hmm. right? and those stories about, you know, um, there's a problem that I've seen, and I'm going to go out there and, and fix it. And that's some of the questions that we ask in the interviews: what projects are you working on? Mm-hmm. And last year when I was interviewing. For some interns, and I asked one, one student, and she said to me, um, "She's actually looking at sort of like this, almost Tinder for politics, where you've got different um, policies, and you swipe whether you agree or not, and for mm, you to okay. get an idea of what party they're aligned to." Yeah, it just so happened that I interviewed her the day before the election, <laughs> right? So that answer, and you know, I don't know how far she got into it, but. It was so relevant, a great idea. You know, mm-hmm. how do you engage youth in politics? It's, it's so show much just within that answer. And obviously she went into a lot more detail that I thought, well, you know, this she's she's got something about it. She, mm-hmm. know, she wants to create um, a solution that I've not seen out there. Um, she's thinking about what problems it solves. Mm-hmm. And where I asked that question to some other students and they just couldn't think of anything. And, you know, we're not asking them to solve all the world's problems, just give us an example. And so those that have applied what they're learning will be able to easily mm-hmm. say to to me or to a company, hey, this is what I've done. Um, for accounting students, um, the example I always give is that the majority want to work for the big four, right? But it's not going to happen. They only have a certain number of roles. And even now, many of them are looking for non-accounting students as well as accounting students because they want that diversity and different people within their business, which which makes sense. So if you're you're not always going to get an internship or work experience with those sort of companies. And you may not even get one with a smaller one. So if you can't find any way to apply what you're learning, then join a club, whether it's a student club or a sports club, anyone that may be dealing with some sort of money and say, I'll be your treasurer, I'll be your accountant, mm. right? Volunteer, your time and your services. Then you can go to someone like us, and we have a number of solutions for students as well. Um, you know, it may not even cost you anything, or it may cost you something, but a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you could go to an interview, and if they asked you, so what accounting experience do you have, you could be honest and say, I wasn't able to get an internship, so there was a club that I'm part of, they have some finances, and I took over. I became their accountant. Um, or even, sort of for your guys, I don't know how big your operation is, but hey, you guys are setting up, do you need someone to manage your finances? Or your marketing, or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you've got a story, you've got experience, um, and you never know where it's going to lead to, right? Yeah. Um, I wish we
2: needed someone to manage our finances. Yeah. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> no, but well, there you go. So, not, not quite there yet. No, no, but <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you that's,
1: then you go through to um, students and say to them, who wants to be a part of this project? Mm. Yeah. Um, and they will be able to bring in those accounting experience. And so wherever it may be, and I've seen it from different sides. And last year at the NYBIT Challenge, we had two girls from AUT as part of a team. And they were both software engineers, but they still had potentially could have had two more people in their team. And when it came to uh, the judging at the finals, um, the national finals, and the questions they were asked about profit and loss and the financial side of things, they didn't necessarily have the answers. Mm. But again, that showed within that team, they were missing a very important piece of the puzzle. So mm. they had just got someone from the business faculty to join them, they would have been better than they were because someone who manages that site. So again, um, just highlights having those different people and then getting that experience. Um, So whether you're the CFO for the day or for a week or for a year, it's still all experience and how you utilise it, how you learn from it and and can apply it and then articulate it. So that's the other... Uh, thing that I notice with a lot of students where they struggle is just how they articulate the experience and how they apply what they're learning. Because mm. the majority have it. I rarely see any student who I just think has nothing to offer. They would always have something to offer, and but they they struggle to be able to whether it's on their CV, online, or in person. Yeah. They just don't know how to explain. Uh, what they do or what they can bring. And, and, and that also applies to um, anyone in particular. So initially I used to shop with how do I say what I did with NYB because it's not a, a normal role. And even now, education manager, a lot of people sometimes think now I'm a trainer, which I don't know how to use the software. You know, I get specialists in for, for that job function because job titles don't mean as much. Some of them, they don't tell the whole story. So being able to tell your story yeah. and to articulate it that someone else understands is again an art as well. Um, mm. So it's just another thing that students will have to learn. Yeah, that's absolutely important.
0: What do you think? Some of the key problems are with articulating
1: yourself. Maybe some of the pitfalls? Um, so sometimes, so it, you know, a lot of people work in their business, not on it. So they just you know they don't necessarily just know how to create that story and, and tell that story, um, and I think. With students, it's working out what skills they've developed or applied within whatever the activity is and really breaking that down. Um, I met a student recently who has done, I think, like a microbiology or forensic science degree or or uh, post-grad course and wants to move away from that. So she's going to have to think about what are the skills um, and experience she can actually transfer to a completely different industry. So she's got to try to work out what has she done, which will help in a non-microbiology forensic science field. Mm. And so that's where trying to break it down is very important uh, but very difficult to do. So for me... I don't have to worry about sort of tech, highlighting technical skills. I've just got to try to highlight those soft skills, relationship building, communication, the collaboration. Um, you know, sort of networking, meeting people. Perfect example. So we met at a conference. Yeah. Ruben, so I have a chat. This is what you do. This is what I do. Hey, well, let's get together and, and, yeah. and continue. The, yeah, <laughs> continue the conversation. Right. <laughs> so. Um. Again, for, for students, being able to identify that, build on that, mm-hmm. keep those relationships going, those connections, those skills keep developing, and then think about how do they transfer them. Because, again, you may be in one role, but you may change. Um, but you, and you may not have a particular set of skills or experience for it, but there may be something that you can transfer from previous and for me I'm not an academic or you know previously worked in the education space and I do now I'm not an accountant or a software developer yeah I work for an accounting software company (laughs) so luckily for me when I did the interview at MYB I was able to highlight certain skills that I developed that I could transfer across because I did not have the experience for the role I'd never dealt with education or with software and I can't make that up. Mm. So if whatever you're doing, you can try to identify particular skills uh, and how you can transfer them, then that's the key. So break it down. I think just look at the actual activity and, and think about it or, and you know, just start writing them down. Mm. And then if you've got a bit of a pattern where you do three or four activities and there's some skills that are always there, then that could be what you want to build a career in, or what you're passionate about, what you want to do. So I was in recruitment first after university, then I went into event sales, media sales, and now software. Throughout that time, it's always been dealing with people and building relationships, right? Communication is got key, so that's another one, collaboration. So all those ones, so I can try to identify, um, that so that wherever I go next is what I would take with me um, or then also what i develop. developed. So only in the last three years, I've done public speaking, for example. Never done that before. So now I'll continue to, to
2: work on that. I guess uh, to
1: wrap it up, what's the worst advice that um, you've ever been given? Yeah, you, you guys sent that through to me and I was trying to think about because you don't usually remember um, <laughs> yeah. the worst advice because sort of why would you? Um I think the work, not necessarily the worst advice I've got, but what I see now is um, students on just sort of one career path. It is more difficult now, but there are more options, and uh, it's up to the students, parents, industry, uh, careers advisors, you know, the institution, faculty to all make. Students are aware of all the different opportunities mm-hmm. there are out there. For me, whether it was from my parents or whether it was just from my school or my own, I was only ever going to university. That was just yeah. one path I had. I studied economics and I've never used it. So would I have been better off not going? Who knows? Um, do I regret going? No. I learned a lot outside of actual lecture hall just in terms of my own personal development of moving away and growing but after that then I went into recruitment and I've gone down a completely different path and quite squiggly to where I am now so if someone tells you to just go one way take that on board but don't think about it as the only option yeah Um, and that's where it comes back to thinking about what skills you can transfer because if you do want to change, you are passionate about something else, then great. Give it a crack. And try it. I think be brave um, because worst case, just go back to what you were doing or try yeah. something new. Yeah, um, And when I came out to New Zealand, um, I'd never been here before and it was a case of if it didn't work out, then I'd just go back to England. <laughs> it, 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 yeah. and, 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 but I was lucky that I had a job to go to. Right. So, you know, it is it is brave, but also they had that bit of security as well. Mm-hmm. But for anyone, yeah, just don't necessarily, if you think you've studied something, doesn't mean you have to continue in it. Um, and I've seen a whole load of people that have changed like really far career paths. Um, so, that would be, I don't know if I've ever got that advice, but if I heard that, yeah. That is bad. <laughs> That's fantastic,
0: bad yeah. Yeah, you're not as trapped as you think you are, actually. Yeah.
1: No, not at all. Um, one of our best graduates is actually a commerce student. Yeah. Um, and um, so a lot of the, the experience and skills he would have developed within software, he did it on his own. <laughs> and he thought, well, actually, I'm more passionate about this. I don't want to stick down the accounting room. And, and and he's come and worked for us but he could easily go back to it. Yeah, yeah. If it's he wanted to. Um, or he can continue down this path and such. But even then, you might join us as a software developer, but you've got business analyst roles, quality roles, leadership roles, product manager roles. There's so many different roles. Yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons why I joined MYB because in my interview, I was interviewed by the then New Zealand Sales and Marketing Manager, who was previously the um, financial controller. So, for someone to go from that role, very admin finance role to a sales and marketing role looking after New Zealand, mm. shows um, that you can change and it's promote career progression isn't just promotions or job titles anymore. That lateral movement is very important because um, when I first joined, I wanted to be a manager. I don't necessarily now. So, I need to look at what other opportunities there are um, for me, and it may not be within. The education space, but it could still be with MYB, or it may not be with MYB, but in the education space, who knows? Mm-hmm. Just giving yourself some options. Uh, and making the younger people aware of those yeah. kind options. Of... Fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank no, you so much. No it's worries. A great
2: yeah. Conversation. Yeah. It's great yeah. to meet you. You too. Nice talking to you. It was a really interesting conversation, so thanks for being here. Yeah. No, no.